Welcome one and all. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. This is Mr. Fretz, and welcome to episode 7 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Row nuts roasting on an open fire. I'm Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Like, share, subscribe. Subscribe to our Patreon and buy our merch on Teespring. The rest of the year, you can still get 15% off with the code WAR15OVER. Today, I'm just going to be going over my Fave 5 matches of the year, the game changer of the week, and just talk about the year 2020 in general. Now, I know for some of you, it was a total dumpster fire, but I'm just going to be going over some of my other favorite parts of wrestling this year. It's going to be a pretty chill show. Fretzelmania usually is pretty chill anyways, but literally the only wrestling I watched this week was NXT, and I might watch UK later today at time of recording, but we shall see. Take it away, Run DMC. This year was up and down for me. It had its good and it's had its bad. You know, earlier in the year, my my aunt passed away after a long battle with cancer and various other you know health issues that came out of that. She's someone I lost contact with over a long period of my life, but over the last what maybe two three years of her of her life, she got back in contact with with us. Um, Got a smartphone, got Facebook, got into using that. Uh, would text me every so often, and it was you know it was really nice that we got that chance to bond over the last little while. Every time I'd Facetime my cousin John, uh, she'd be there, yeah, and we would catch up over that, and it was, it was really good. But you know I miss her. You know we lost a couple of family friends this year. One was ninety five and had a great long life and was a. Uh, a close friend of the family and another man who was a close friend of the family who helped out with a lot of stuff with with them you know as a man in his 70s he had a long battle with cancer himself in and out of chemo for a number of years and one thing this man did was host my brother's wedding last last august and you know we allowed a big tent to be built on there for people to hang out and and celebrate that day and even back then what was it September 2019 he was pretty frail and it was about maybe October of this year when he when he passed away and that that man was so helpful and so kind in in our lives he helped me move into my apartment in Sable Beach here Uh, even before I really knew who he was I knew his oldest son through my brother but it was, yeah, you know, all, all that stuff was was crap. You know, I don't think I even need to mention what else has been crap this year, you know, given what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, I'm Canadian, so I didn't understand or comprehend that just that I'm just going to say the tension that was going on in the United States. I can't I still don't know. 
I mean, I know it was like, you know, political, racial, all that stuff. I don't understand it. And I just want to be on the right side of history. That's all I can say about that. Um, positive sides, you know, I worked my ass off this year. You know, just about, you know, almost every day I'm at the store. I'm getting orders filled. I'm a small town grocery clerk working for my brother. I live very close to my store, so if there's ever an issue, like someone can't come in or I have to go check on the refrigeration or freezing units, I'm I'm right there. It it comes in handy. It allows me to uh, continue to be closer to my family. I get to see my niece and nephew grow up. And, uh, yeah, in this year, I don't talk about money that much. I keep that's something to keep to myself, but I consider it an accomplishment that there was a large sum of my student loans paid off this year that otherwise wouldn't have been. You know, the beginning of the year, beginning of the not beginning of the virus, people got this essential worker pay for maybe a couple of months, maybe six weeks, and that helped. And I thought. Well, OSAP student loans is freezing for six months to give people a chance to get their stuff sorted out. And I decided to take that opportunity to like get a big chunk of it done. And I'm really proud of the work that uh, that my workplace has done this year. You know, we're just a quiet grocery store tucked away on the shores of Lake Huron. This time of year, we're pretty low key. You know, we have a lot of cottages here. We're, there's several trailer parks here. And uh, in the summer, you know, Sobel Beach is one of the top tourist beaches or destinations in, in Ontario. So we always get a large number of people coming in and out here, parking at the beach and all that. And despite, you know, despite the pandemic, our cases remained very low despite, you know, tourism our cases remain very low throughout the summer they only started to poke up a teeny bit in the off season around this time of year but you know we're we're fortunate we're blessed we're lucky up here and i pray that that continues and for and you know wrestling and podcasting for me were great escapes from reality now i'm not the type of guy who you know, necessarily needs an escape in parentheses, but I'll use it. I'll distract myself because quite frankly, I don't like dealing with stuff head on very much. I am timid. I'm a little bit cowardly if I can be completely transparent with you. Uh, I don't like confrontation. I don't like hard conversations. I don't like that kind of stuff. But, you know, this year we, we had to do them. And that's just, that's part of life. And that's something I'm going to have to learn to deal with. You know, as extroverted and outgoing as I may seem, the better part of a decade living in an apartment by myself kind of put me in an introverted kind of nature. I love being around people, but then there's times where I'm just like, I just want to get in my chair. I want to crack open a beer and relax. You know, watching wrestling, great distraction, especially I'll get into it later, but WrestleMania for me was just so necessary. 
it was just I, I needed it so badly I'll, I'll talk about it here in a little in a little bit uh, yeah I actually you know what I've rambled on and on enough about about this crap so I'm my prayer my hope is that 2021 is a little better you know I think I pray I hope that things will start to get under control maybe a sense of normalcy you know, I hate this term, the new normal. Like, I hate masks, but I still wear them because it's my damn job, it's my damn duty, and I will do it. Just bear in mind with that right now. Don't call me an anti-masker because none of us like to wear them. We all hate it, but you know what? We all do it for protection. You know, I'm looking after people like my father, immunocompromised. I'm looking after... People like the number of retired people in this community. And because I'm at a place where there's people every day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Enough enough on that. So I just want to go over some of my highlights of the year before I get into, you know, my my fave five, if you will. There was a lot of wrestling for us to watch this year. Almost too much. You know, before you know, before the pandemic, we had things like NWA Power every week. We had Impact, although I wasn't paying that much attention. I was poking my head in here and there because I was I would always tune in to smash this podcast with J Bone or Total Nonstop Impact, um, among some other stuff. I always kept my eyes on on that. Uh, you know, we had Raw and SmackDown, where you know they were okay, although lately. Monday Night Raw has been a chore. I actually haven't watched the last two. <laughs> so sometimes Raw can be a chore. SmackDown's the A show right now, and I'm always working Friday night. So I, I almost never get to watch that. You know, AW Dynamite celebrated its first year. Well, in the fall it did, and it had, it had a lot of great moments itself. We had some great wrestling pay-per-views from all the companies like people give wwe a lot of flack because that's the popular mark thing to do is to crap on wwe but give them credit for the pay-per-views they've held this year notably during the you know the the covid adaptation the pre-thunderdome era the empty arena the pc era they knew how to adapt and other companies eventually fell fell away fell suit you know, Impact, I, I know someone who deals with a little bit of Impact through J-Bone, and it's not feasible for them to have a number of fans in their studio. You know, like Dynamite lately has had the odd fan here and there at the at the Daily's place. NXT is getting a few in the PC. But yeah, they're, all these companies have adapted pretty well, you know, especially the Thunderdome. I I've been in it a couple of times. It's okay. Aesthetically, it's weird, but it's it's something. It's something different. And that's what the wrestling fan is always looking for. Something different. Now I'm not gonna talk about the Royal Rumble that much because spoiler alert, something from the Rumble is in my fave five this year. You'll actually be surprised about that. You know, I I don't recall anything out of what, what was the Elimination Chamber? That was the February one. Yeah, that one I thought was really, 
well done. But the one thing I remember out of it was Gulak versus Daniel Bryan being an absolute classic of a match. You know, Otis flying out of the out of the pod for the tag team elimination chamber, which was way better than it had any right to be, thanks to you know, Lucha House Party almost dying in the ring. We had Full Gear by AEW just after that, and uh, Nate was at that show. I know that well, Nate told me. He told us about it on the podcast here in the WrestleAddict Radio archives. He brought me a shirt from it that I recently just got that has Patch John Moxley and world champion Chris Jericho on the front. It's where Moxley won the title. And the rest of that pay-per-view was really well done. I think it might be AEW's best of the year. Although their their last one, what was it? Revolution? I stand corrected. Revolution was the February one. And Full Gear was this past one on November 7th. Which was itself very, very well done. Was that the one where, yeah, it's the one where Kenny Omega won the title? And ran away with Don Callis, giving us this insane... Nope. It was on TV where Omega won the title. I am lost. I need a hard seltzer. Thank you very much. Bangarang Mango Hot Hard Seltzer. Let's see how this tastes. That's pretty darn good. It's not as good as that other one. Not as good as a lime white claw, which mm -hmm, would be very, very good right now. But those two were very good. The there was was it all out that had that Matt Hardy almost dying injury. That one really left me with a sour taste in my mouth. Maybe because of that spot alone, it just killed the rest of the show. But Dynamite had a lot of great moments. We had a lot of great debuts. Almost too many because it eventually got to the point where Dynamite was anti WWE porn and. Yeah, that's all well and good if WWE and WCW haven't been doing it to each other in the mid-90s. Like, it's been done before we get it. And if you, you know, listen to the internet, sometimes WWE isn't as all shiny and nice as it would appear to be. But that can be any workplace. That can be AEW. That can be the job at your office. That could be you know, doing construction, like I see people down the street doing it right now, taking apart an old amusement park. But going on through the rest here, like WWE really learned how to adapt into the COVID era and fast. One week, Drew McIntyre was kicking Brock Lesnar on the raw ramp to a monster pop. The next week, Stone Cold Steve Austin was toasting an empty PC with only Byron Saxon giving the hell yeah. WrestleMania, which was supposed to be at Raymond James Stadium this year. I believe a number of the Wrestle Attic Radio family was going to be there. Like Kings of the Rings. I, I know you guys were going to be there. I wasn't. But, yeah. WrestleMania had to change because we this was when everything started happening. Like, Ruby Gobert tested positive for the virus and then touched a bunch of mics. And then the next thing you know, all the sports are done. Like NBA, shut. NHL, shut. But the one constant was wrestling because Vince, love him or hate him, 
he found a way. He found a way to do something. Although yeah, you had a couple of outbreaks throughout the year, it he learned how to adapt, and it did very well. Like WrestleMania. Okay, number one, WrestleMania across two nights. Mwah. Thank you. Because sitting through another seven-hour WrestleMania would have been death. Especially with, you know, the empty arena, the the PC being used here, the no fans. That would have been hell. Heck, it, w- it still would have been an arduous task to sit through had they been at the stadium. And that was when everything was kind of starting, at least in the pandemic, for, for up here at least. And I was having a really hard time dealing. I was becoming a very unpleasant person to deal with, you know, namely at work. And I wasn't burning out. I was just not adapting right. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So this, that weekend, I, I wasn't working. Well, no, that Sunday and Monday I wasn't working. So all day Sunday, well, I can't remember the schedule, but all I know is that I watched all of the wrestling that weekend. I turned my phone off. I got some food and I relaxed. And that was just the distraction I needed. And after that, you know, after, you know, chatting up with some people, apologizing to some people i went i just you know i went back to it and and we were off to the races there yeah because that was that that was my best distraction of the year was wrestlemania as mediocre as some of it was there was a lot of filler in the show there was some cinematic matches all of which i enjoyed although edge and randy orton went about 20 minutes too long WWE changed the formula in some ways. We got a lot of cinematic wrestling this year. You know, Money in the Bank stands out as one of the funnest. I mean, you're going through WWE headquarters and you're ending up on a ring on the freaking roof. Although I disagree vehemently with who won and how that turned out. Hard seltzer, help me. Um, it was a fun show overall. That one was. And the pay-per-views were shortened significantly. Like, you know, some went at most, including the pre-show, four hours. Takeovers would be like two and change, if that. And that was a big, big plus for me because the thought of sitting through, like, all of these pay-per-views being more than three or four hours was just too much. You know, NXT killed it this year. They did a lot of stuff that brought back the retro. Like, they did Halloween Havoc. Freaking NXT in your house. And they brought Todd M.F. Pettengill back for the intro package. That was just so good. Didn't care for the swamp fight or the eyeball match at the horror show at Extreme Rules. But man, even New Japan with the shock heel turn of evil. Oh, with a name like evil going evil. 
oh, who would have known, you know, winning the the double titles in Japan for for a short time. That that was huge. I I loved that. Although the con the concept of Ibushi versus Naito at Wrestle Kingdom next year, uh yes please. I'd I'd be all up for that if that's the way they go. You know, even SummerSlam, which give us the debut of the Thunderdome. That just shows you another great way for WWE to adapt. I've been in the Thunderdome a couple times. It was okay. I'm going to do it again. I actually tried to register for TLC, but that filled up fast. Might try for Monday Night Raw because I'm actually off this Monday. We'll wait and see. But just wrestling, despite the limitations, I think has been really fun this year. No matter what promotion you watch, no matter what show, no matter... Yeah, I loved it. It's also filling the hole with no sports, especially right now. There is no hockey. There is no baseball. There is no basketball, although basketball, I think it just started up in preseason games. Go Raptors, we the North. And another great thing we've gotten is, you know, the network has given us an insane amount of great content and documentaries and specials. I love these day of pay-per-view things now because it just shows you what goes behind the match, like leading up to Sasha and Bailey, leading up to Sami Zayn in the ladder match. Just, man, I, I, I love behind the scenes stuff in wrestling anyways. So th- this was very, this was very well done. And I hope 2021 in wrestling is also another great use of distraction for us. You know, I, th- I think of my friends in the States who probably had a worse year, you know, given the political climate, that this was also another way of great distraction for them. Now, well, 2021 gives them the opportunity of a new beginning with a new president, which I hope goes well. It Wrestling is a constant, and I thank all the companies for that. Hey, even the indies that are still having smaller shows, I, I think of ACW Wisconsin, you know, what uh, Nate was doing commentary for recently. You know, I, I've seen bits and bops of their shows, and they look fun. When the world's right again, I'm making a trip to Wisconsin to go to that, and hey, maybe we'll sideberg onto like a pay-per-view from that. Keep keep your eyes on that. Lord willing, I want to go to a WrestleMania. You know when when things are good. You know when the vaccine. You know it's it's starting to roll out in Canada. I'm just gonna wait to get it when I can. If doing that means I can travel, then okay, I'll start saving up some money and maybe like WrestleMania 40 or something. You can expect you can expect me there. I will be 40 that year. Yeah, I, I tell my friends that I'm WrestleMania years old. Those who get it, get it. Born in 84. Being on WrestleLite Radio this year has always been a massive, massive highlight for me as well. You know, Nate and I started the year being on the Game Changer podcast, and while he he parted ways with the network recently, you know, him and I still text, we still keep in touch. I actually was on the Game Changer recently, 
think we were talking about Sting's AEW debut, and we got some plans for the Royal Rumble. And I'll, I'll look forward to that. I always look forward to getting on that Skype call with him on, thir- on a Thursday night. It, it was one of the highlights of my week. And Nate, you're here on this. Merry Christmas, bro. Love you tons. Let's chat up again soon. You know, Fretzelmania, I've been able to do a lot of great things through this. And I have some big plans for 2021. I am not going to divulge those plans yet. Oh, sorry. I didn't know I left that on. Anyways, yes, uh, you'll you'll get to hear what I'm going to be reviewing in the new (laughs) year. And that's just been, that's been it. I've rambled on long enough about all this, about life, about wrestling, about everything else in between. So after this little commercial break, you're going to hear my choices for the fave five moments of the year on Fretz's fave five. And I'll sprinkle in a game changer of the week. BRB peeps. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, Batman smelt, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost the wheel, and the Joker got Welcome back to the Fretzelmania podcast, and it is now time for your favorite segment, Fretz's Fave Five. And before I get into this week's topic, I want to put over the rest of the Wrestle Attic Radio Network, King Ricky Rose, Toaster Tarashuk, and the K. Murphy of the Kings of the Rings podcast, Mr. YLP himself, Zach from the Young Lions perspective, and of course, good brother Mance from The Delight Show. Follow us all, listen to us all, subscribe to Wrestle Attic Radio, support us on Patreon, and of course, buy our merch on teespring.com. Today, I am finishing my top 10 matches of 2020. Last week, you got 10 to 6. Today, you're getting 5 to number 1. Stay tuned. Number 5. From Hell in a Cell 2020. Bailey versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, this feud has been teased for a long, long, long time. And finally, it came to a head at Hell in a Cell. Throughout most of the year, the golden role models, Sasha and Bailey, have been ruling 
the women's tag team division, going through the entire roster and teasing dissension here and there other than last year or was it the year before i can't remember where dr shelby got involved they got their counseling and their anger management and put their differences aside and we didn't get that yet until finally bailey snapped turned on sasha pilmanized her neck which I think should have put Sasha out in kayfabe for the rest of the year. And then we would start teasing the build-up to WrestleMania. However, I still think that they did this very well. I went in-depth with this with Nate on, on our review. So I won't really touch on actually all these matches too significantly. But my number five pick, Bailey and Sasha, putting on the best match of hell in the cell using the cell and the weapons to their advantage and these two these two ladies are the best workers i think in all of wwe and that's including nxt and nxt uk my lord they they really turned the house down and brought the thunderdome to <laughs> to their feet and finally at the conclusion of the match bailey would lock in the bank statement with a chair i believe in in storyline this is the same chair that was used to attack and pilmanize sasha in the past so it was a great full circle moment nate take a shot part here there was a bailey to belly on the ladder the man the bank statement and the chair was amazing sasha banks became the third women's grand slam champion and the fourth women's triple crown champion. That is historic enough as it is. Banks right now, as of recording, is the reigning women's champion on SmackDown. About to defend it against Carmella at TLC. Holy crap, TLC is this Sunday. Maybe I'll predict it when I get to the end of the show here. Maybe not. Sasha and Bailey, my number five pick for match of the year. Number four is another one that took place rather recently, and that was on AEW Dynamite on October 28th, to be exact. And that was Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. This, of course, was the semifinals of the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Uh, earlier in the night, Adam Page would defeat Wardlow and go on to the finals. And in this match would be Kenny Omega against Pentagon. Whether you want to call him Pentagon Dark, Pentagon L0M, Pentagon Jr. I call him, holy crap, this guy's amazing. Kenny Omega here, he had that super long entrance with his laundry list of accolades by, read by Justin Roberts. The girls in the bikinis sweeping the air, you know, the, the sweeper girls. Uh, he actually came out with the AAA Mega Championship hidden underneath his t-shirt, of which he successfully defended at Triple Mania earlier this week. It was just a little bit of salt in the wound here. And coming up, I believe in a couple of weeks' time, he'll be defending the AEW Championship against Ray Phoenix, which, yeah, I'll watch that match. Omega and Pentagon went full steam and beat the piss out of each other in a match full of 
really, really loud chops, strikes, and kicks. And then eventually, Omega would win with countering a springboard attack with a V-trigger and a one-winged angel, continuing his road to the AEW World Championship, of which he now possesses. Thank you, Don Callis. Number three is a surprise pick, and it's borderline controversial, but hear me out. Well, here comes the pain. What Brock Lesnar match do I have this time? Well, it is the 2020 Royal Rumble match, which Brock Lesnar drew number one in, despite being the WWE Champion. I guess Brock just had something to prove and he wanted to establish his dominance over the entire WWE roster. And it was an amazingly built Rumble match. It led us to WrestleMania and one of the best WWE title wins in recent recent history, despite, you know, the empty arena, something that should have taken place in a full-on arena, COVID be damned. So for the first half of this sh- match, it was all Brock. Who would just yeet everyone? And, of course, we would see a little bit of Great storytelling here as well. Many people in this match had an agenda, had a reason to want to eliminate Brock. I mean, we started off here with number two was Elias, who was singing about about being the sacrificial lamb of the Rumble match. And yeah, he got smoked with a guitar and he was gone. Number three was Eric Rowan you know, who had that giant mechanical spider in the box. And then he would yeet Rowan, Rude, a returning John Morrison. Kofi Kingston would eventually be eliminated by Brock. But, you know, Kofi was the man that Brock beat for the WWE title on SmackDown's debut, lest we forget, despite the fact I want to forget that. You know, Rey Mysterio had a match with Brock at Survivor Series. So Rey has a bit of an agenda here. Big E, well, he's part of New Day, so by proxy with Kofi Kingston, he has an agenda with Brock. They all get yeeted by Brock Lesnar. They're all gone. Cesaro comes out, and Cesaro is quickly disposed of, despite the fact that a proper Cesaro versus Brock match would be freaking amazing. His old buddy from the Minnesota Stretching Crew from OVW, pre-Next Big Thing fame. Shelton Benjamin. They they share a moment here. They have they have a nice moment here. They they touch on their history. It's like, oh hey buddy, how you doing? Hug Agon. Shinsuke Nakamura, who Brock had a match with in New Japan, was eliminated rather quickly. A returning MVP, Montel Vontavious Porter, also short work. And Keith Lee. Now, this is interesting. Because you see the look on Brock Lesnar's face. He's like, oh, you're a big boy. And they slap me. (laughs) Just 
go to town. They had a decent little interaction here. Braun Strowman, who has history with Brock dating back to 2017. I believe they had like a fatal four-way match at SummerSlam one year. They had a one-on-one title match at a Rumble one year, I think. And then Ricochet, someone who was standing up to Brock Lesnar on the Raw previous to this. And Raw, uh, Brock just totally bitches him out and kicks him right in the dick. Just gets the Hans Mole Man Productions presents man getting hit by football spot. Like the bear. And then in an ironic twist of fate, no pun intended, Matt Hardy, Brock gets ball sacked himself and then eliminated by the man who would eventually win the Rumble, Drew McIntyre. And then the rest of the Rumble was about who is going to be the number one contender or more like who was going to face Brock Lesnar. And when Drew McIntyre eliminated Brock, I knew deep down that Drew was the winner. Because I thought Brock would have went all the way. It would have been funny to see Brock Lesnar versus the Universal Champion at WrestleMania. But that meant we would have got, oh, good lord. We got we would have got Lesnar and Goldberg at Mania again. Uh-uh. No, no, no. But the, the rest of the Royal Rumble, it was pretty good. It was pretty fun. It had a lot of great spots. And then this happened. No, not my not this Starbucks ad. Freaking YouTube on my phone can just F-O. Who's it going to be? He's the king. Still gives me chills. I got goosebumps right now. I mean, I think the return was kind of spoiled for me on Twitter. I was browsing through Twitter. My feed on the network was a little behind, but Edge made his return. You know, he's been out of commission since Backlash, but never thought I would see him in a wrestling ring again. You know, Edge was doing the uh, ENC Pot of Awesomeness, which was outrageous. And then the rest of the match just played off as people coming out, having spots, having moments. Like Randy Orton taking a look at Edge, being like, Bro, it's so effing good to see you. And just does like the friggin' abs things. Like, you're effing shredded. You look good. And we see a short-lived reunion of rated RKO, which would be broken, leading to a match at WrestleMania between the two, which was... Eh, it was okay. It was too long. It had good spots, but it was too long. But yeah, the Royal Rumble match is just one of my favorite things of the entire year because every Rumble is usually broken off in two parts. I'm going to be reviewing Royal Rumble 2001 in the new year, part of the 20 Bell Salute, and I'm doing a watch-along for it. Sorry, Mance. Um, I know you're doing the Rona Rumbles, but I've been wanting to do the watch-along for the 2001 as well. So, 
eh, we'll hear, we'll listen to both of them when they eventually come out. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Keep up the good work on the World Rumbles, man. It's awesome. So that one is kind of broken off into hardcore match and then the heavyweights like the Austins and Rocks and Rikishis and Takers. You know, Kane setting an elimination record that would stand until, I think, this year, until Brock Lesnar or technically Braun Strowman at one of the uh, Saudi Rumbles. But, like, it doesn't count. Number two is from Night of Champions, the triple threat ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Jeff Hardy, the quote-unquote Intercontinental Champion, defending against AJ Styles and the real champion, Sami Zayn, who had been stuck up here in Canada, you know, COVID restrictions, and he was doing a lot of uh, charity work in the meantime, and just, I think, taking some time off. You know, we saw Jeff Hardy hitting a swanton on Sammy, who was lying on a ladder, putting him through it. You know, Sammy eventually got the handcuffs out, and then handcuffed Jeff Hardy through the earlobe, through the ladder rung, and then Sammy's just wins the title back or retains, depending on who you ask. He he retained. He never lost the title in the first place. Is that was just a sick, sick looking match. Like you should see all the welts on Sammy's body as a result. Just insane, insane action here. This was it was one of the best matches I've seen. One of the better ladder matches I've seen in recent history because, well, Things like the ladder match and, you know, the TLC match, you know, of which we're going to see this coming Sunday is, to me, it's a little bit oversaturated because of things like the Fiend pay-per-view. I mean, I'm going to watch it, especially given the breaking news I got when I was out for my walk today on a certain Orton versus Fiend match. Uh, Yeah, I'll be watching that now. But what we got here was great. There was a few funky, botchy-looking spots, but they they made up for it. AJ, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, please stop jumping off stuff. Please stop putting your body through all this torture. Like the Swanton Bomb in the back of your head, hitting the ring steps. Dude. Dude. You, you, you gotta knock it down. And my number one favorite match of the year NXT UK Championship, October 30th, 2020. Valter versus Ilya Dragunov, who won a battle royal all the way back in, it had to be February, January, back in, you know, pre-COVID days, like all those years ago. <laughs> Finally, after a few months hiatus, NXT UK was good to uh, start recording some shows at the BT Sports Arena, uh, not BET, BT Sports Complex. I think it's part of the UK training facility. Jermaine, you can help me out here. You can correct me on that one, please. Uh, So they put on a match here in their version of a Thunderdome. I saw some faces on the Titantron during this. I think that might have been one of the first variations of the NXT UK Thunderdome. I might be mistaken. It might have been on their actual 
uh, season premiere episode earlier earlier in the year. But they told the entire story in the ring. Yes, Elia oh, pinned Walter in a tag team match leading up to this. I think it was the week before tagging with with Pete Dunne against Alexander Wolfenwalter. But man, they let it all out in the ring with suplexes and chops and even more chops and even more chops. You know, I covered this match in depth already, but the reason why this is my first, my number one favorite match of the year, as I've said before, they told an incredible story and they didn't even need to do very many vignettes, very many interviews. All they had to go and do was wrestle, put on what a 40, 30 minute barn burner of a match a match of the year contender in anyone else's list, but it, for me, it takes the top prize. You know, Walter has been the UK champion for about a year and a half now, having beaten Pete Dunne. Was it Takeover New York WrestleMania 35 weekend? Like, holy crap! And Ilya Dragunov, uh, a Russian wrestler who had been rising up the ranks in the UK division, you know, having insane matches on takeovers and worlds collide with people like Finn Balor and Cesaro. And both of those guys, while they both beat him, they also put him over massively, you know, giving him a moment in the ring, a la Sami Zayn Cesaro from 20, was it that's 2014? Holy cow. That was a long time ago. Uh, Elia just... Someone who is booked like an underdog, but he's anything but. I mean, yeah, he's had to fight up through everything, through his whole career. They've had matches before in Dub and various other European promotions. This one. And, and Ilya, after this match, he's just, he's covered in welts and bruises and chop marks. And throughout the whole thing, he's asking Volter to bring it and bring it he did. Top match, number one match of 2020. Walter, Ilya Dragunov. I'm kind of bummed that Walter retained, but at the same time, Walter's one of my favorites in the entire division right now. In the entire WWE, for that matter. And I don't know who he would drop the title to. Maybe Rampage Brown. Who knows? So that's it for Fretz's Fave 5, and I have... Well, I gotta choose a game changer of the week, and this time... I'm just going to do straight up silly. Clark Griswold from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, my favorite Christmas movie. I was watching that the other night. I'm going to watch it again. I usually watch that and Die Hard on Christmas Eve because I usually spend Christmas Eve by myself. Maybe one of my neighbors pops over for a beer, but that's, that's about it. And then Christmas Day I spend with... My niece, my nephew, and all of them. I'm in their bubble because you know. Again, I work. For, I work for their for the my bro. And he does everything in his power to try and make the Griswold family Christmas good. Like he wants to get this bonus and take his family on vacation, but instead is a jelly of the month club guy. And his family and his wife's family, you know, they clash or whatever. He couldn't get the Christmas tree lights to work until they do. Why is the floor wet? 
I don't know, Margot. Friggin', oh man, Julia Louise Dreyfus. One of her early roles, pre-Seinfeld, or around the same time she started being Elaine. I can't remember how far back Seinfeld goes. 89, 90, something like that. Yeah, so just, just for silly sakes, my game changer of the week is Clark Griswold. Maybe Chevy Chase the person ain't so good, but man, Griswold's, I love that stuff. So that's, that's been it for this version of the Fretzelmania podcast. Thank you for listening, for, for bearing with me here, folks. It's uh, been a good, it's, it's been a good run in 2020 and Lord willing, 2021 will be a little better. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. God bless you all. I love you tons. Please be safe, be smart, and be a game changer. Cheers. <laughs>